This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. And unlike last week, we will not be bringing you the upbeat, bubbly episode that came last time. But instead, it's a gloomy Zoom call. Today, we will be going through the events that unfolded at Kenworth Road on Saturday. We will also be looking ahead to Saturday's clash with Bournemouth. And we also hear from a Bournemouth fan as Opposition View returns. Joining me today, I have Dylan Bundia, Stephen Day and Jamie Castle. How are you three doing? Been better after Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's mad how miserable you are on, on the Sunday. I mean, the, the contrast and emotions that in from after that Bristol City equaliser is um is night and day. <laughs> taste of our own medicine, weren't it? A yeah. taste of our own medicine. It wasn't great, but we'll come straight into it and we'll start from the very beginning. Because the lineup raised a few eyebrows, a few questions. We didn't really know what it meant when it came out. But as it happened, it was Osho at left wing back, Cornick and Adebayo up top. And it seemed that Barry was just behind, even though he was probably more classes central midfielder within that. So, what did you make of the lineup? And was that the best way to try and beat a team like Swansea City? Well, I'd say. In the first half, yeah, because we looked brilliant in the first half. There was there was no reason to have any sort of worry because we played them off the park and um, and we looked solid. Defense was good. We were shutting them out and we were pressing well. And they they hated it. They were nervous every time that they had the ball between their defenders and goalkeepers and the goalkeeper. And yeah, so I thought it was the best. Obviously, you know, rather have. You know Bradley back and and the options of like Musquay and and Onyedinba and all that, but realistically it didn't seem like a bad lineup. 
Yeah, I think same here for me. When it came out at two, I was I was happy. I thought, yeah, that's, that's absolutely fine. I thought it'd be the diamonds, and and it took me about fifteen minutes in before I realised actually it wasn't the diamond. I thought it was just Osho playing wide of the diamond and just man marking Ethan Laird. But it turns out no, he was in fact playing left wing back, which was a, a surprise to me. I thought it would be Cal there, if anything. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's tough to have a go have a go at the starting eleven when the first half was as it was I think yeah I think the issues with with Saturday wasn't the starting 11 it was for me how how we reacted in the second half personally because it's been described as the proverbial game of two halves and that could not be any more true could it because it was such a brilliant start to proceedings free well taken goals command and lead pure dominance but just go into that first half how how brilliant was it coming into halftime. Yeah. It was, that, that first half was um, absolutely fantastic in terms of the way that we pressed them, the way we, not just the energy levels that we showed, but the, the intelligence of it all, You're making sure that they couldn't switch the play, blocking off Flynn Downs and Matt Grimes from doing anything. It was very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, was, there was some, as you said, game of two halves and, and we we looked tired in the second half in combination with a lot of other things that were going on that we might talk about. I'm not sure, but yeah, um, that first half was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I, I agree with the, um, the statement that we were tired in the second half. We, we looked shattered like half. I mean, even when Clark came on, he looked, he looked tired as well. And I thought it was quite surprising considering that he's, you know, he's quite an athletic player and, Jones said it in in the um, in the post match interview that we didn't have the athleticism that he he wants from the from the uh, the team on match days. So yeah, it just we did look tired really, and I think that was a, a bit of a downfall as well. But at the same time, well, no, I said like the three three game week, it's it showed and it was disappointing. But sometimes it does happen. Yeah, definitely. It, it as you say, it, the fitness levels looked. I wouldn't say concerning, but you you could definitely see that we were tiring, and that led to us dropping back, putting more bodies behind the ball. Jerome and Adebayo for that period of time were sort of isolated, pressing themselves, and when you're pressing with just one or two of you, it, it's never going to be too rewarding. But we'll go into a. a perhaps the turning point of the game, which was in the 58th minute where Harry Cornick was presented with the opportunity to add a fourth. Should he score that? Because we had a similar discussion the other day about a, a chance that I, I would say it was similar. Should Cornick be scoring that? And was that the pivotal point in the game? I don't think it was the pivotal point, but Adebayo missed an equally as good chance and it, I don't think it's uh, as much as we we like to you know hone in on on Cornick for his ability or not his um misses that he has and a bio miss equally as important and good chance and Barry as well he missed one as well so it just yeah I think oh, did Barry miss one I think so yeah, um he, he struck over yeah. didn't he yeah yeah, so I, I, I think it's a bit harsh to pinpoint it on Cornick and, the, you know, the turning point was Swansea turning up in the second half, in my opinion. 
yeah, I, I think the short answer is yes, he should have. Equally, yes, Eli should have got got, got his hat-trick in, in the first half. But for me, it's just bonkers that we're talking about missed chances in a game that we've let a 3-0 lead slip. Like the, 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 the reason we lost that, or the, the, we didn't lose it, but it felt like it. The, 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 the reason, why, the reason why, we, why we didn't win that game was def- not defensively, because I thought the back five weren't really troubled because the three goals were, were shots matched on the box. The, the reason we lost that game was in our press in the second half for me. I think as a side... Who I, I'm pretty sure you've seen Ben's from a Luton Analytics tweet with regards to our pressing stats. We're statistically the fourth best pressing side in in, in the league, um, and and when you drop off so drastically as we did in the second half, that's the reason we we drew that game in the end. Not not Cornick's mischance. I think it's bonkers to place it on Cornick. Cornick's first half was unbelievable. He, he, he won the penalty. Um, he he dragged he dragged a player inside to, to give Bree all that space for, for, for the third goal. Um, so I, I don't really want to talk about the missed chances. Sorry, sorry, Billy, but um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with, with Jamie there. And you look at the, the numbers on our press as well um, in terms of our PPDA, which is basically a measure of a press. And the lower the number is, the the more intense, uh, the more intensely you're pressing. And around the 30 minute mark, our, our PPDA was at 6.9. And then around the 60th minute mark, it dropped all the way to 24, which was just, you know, it's a huge indicator that we, I think, I think it was, well, I think a big thing that happened in the game um, was Swansea bringing on Piraway alongside uh, uh, Michael Obafemi, um, because what that meant was they, they rather than Naismith and Lockyer being able to step up onto Liam Walsh and step up onto Encham and so on, as they were in the first half, they were now being pinned back by those two. They couldn't step up. And that's where they started to find space around Lansbury um, and going 2v1 on Lansbury. So there were just so many, there were a lot of moving parts. It was a game where there were so many changes and so many moving parts. And frankly, in the second half, we never we never got a hold of it and we never um, solved the problems that, that they gave us, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You say about Oberfemi coming on there, that I'm pretty sure restarting it was at Utcham or however you say his name, it was him that came on. And that's how I feel that they started to dictate play. And once we realised that he's playing balls, split in sort of the midfield, that's when we started to back off and give, afforded him the time to take that effort. And I know it took a huge deflection, but ultimately we afforded him that time and that's where they got that goal. And yeah, I was going to go back to Jamie there because saying about Cornick's missed chance, Cornick was exceptional. That was a, a brilliant, brilliant performance from him and bringing exactly what we need from Cornick. And that was just relentless pressure direct running gave Norton an absolute nightmare along with the rest of the defence and he was absolutely brilliant and playing along we had a little bit of doubt with him playing along uh, as a striker because of his abilities in front of goal but that was apart from scoring a complete performance in my opinion. Yeah and I guess on Cornick it's a cliche that I don't like using too much but if he was to get the GNA that he should be getting, he wouldn't be with us. Simply put, I think his his non goal contribution performances are fantastic. I think he does so much 
that a lot of people don't see. So, yeah, of course, we want him to bag double-digit goal and assist in the season. But quite frankly, if he did, he'd be in the Prem. So, yeah, we want more from him in that respect. But I think what he does outside of that is more than enough at this point in time. Obviously, we want more going forward. But for now, we have to accept that he's a player that he is for us. Definitely that. And looking at their first two goals, they did take two wild deflections. But would you say it, it's luck or would you say it's our inability to press? Not inability, but our, our reluctance to press in that situation? Bit of both. I, I, it's, it's, it's quite frustrating, actually, because I was walking out the ground after the game and people were, were moaning at Sluga. But I think the first one... He, he dives to where the ball would have gone, but takes a deflection, does well to actually get something on it, but couldn't quite get enough on it. And it's one of those where it looks like it's a mistake, but it just it just isn't. Um, and then the second one, I think, yeah, it's, it's a great strike with regards to the power that, that uh, Enchamp puts on the ball, but again, takes a wicked, sort of like a curving deflection. Um, I think the third one for me was was the worst of the three to concede. I think we just didn't get out fast enough. I think that Pelly was almost caught between Laird on on the right and then coming out to was it um, Piro who scored. So I think the third one was the one for me that was the biggest concern out out, out of the three. The first two I think were more luck than pressing, um, but the third was was more of a concern. And do you think that that's made it now five wins, uh, five games without a win? Is that concerning or is that just something that's part and parcel of an early start to the season and, and just trying to find the winning formula? The thing is, I was thinking that when we were 3-0 up, I was thinking, when was the last time we actually won a game? Um, and it was, you know, I, was, I didn't want to really count my chickens but I thought that was a we'd won it I thought we won it and I think that's probably how the players thought as well and that's another reason why they came out and didn't perform um but yeah I, I'm a little bit concerned but when you look at it we've had three changes to the starting 11 in the last three games we've you know made mistakes and we're still learning I think I'm going to go back to like I think Dylan said um, last week or the week before that like we are sort of in a transitioning period with a with a quite a new squad. They're all new to each other pretty much, and and it's concerning. But at the same time, they've all to get used to each other, and we've got to get rid of these bloody injuries because they are they are hindering our progress to you know our ability to see games out or or stop us from conceding early in games or having little blips where we concede one or two or three in, you know, a short period. And it's just, yeah, I think we'll, we'll get there with it. But I, I you know, I'm, I am a little bit concerned, but I, I also think that we'll get there. We'll get a lot, a lot more solid as the season goes, um, goes on. Yeah. Those, those injuries are so, are so, are so, you know, they're massive because if you can, if you've got Alan Campbell, Admiral Musquay, Fred on your in the matchday squad, either coming off the bench or starting, so others can then come off the bench to impact. 
you know, you can absolutely guarantee that we don't approach that, that last half an hour in the way that we do, not just in terms of our physical levels on the pitch, but from a, from a, from a tactical point of view, we conceded space in certain areas deliberately because we felt we couldn't get after them because we didn't have the energy levels. You know, we made the biggest example was in the first half, we're right up on Luke Berry, number 10, right up on Matt Grimes, Pelly Ruddock, right up on Flynn Downs, keeping them in and, and making sure they can't play through their second half. We dropped Luke Berry and then Jordan Clark came on on the right of a midfield three. And we gave lots of space to Matt Grimes because we clearly felt that as a team, we couldn't maintain that for another 45 minutes. Now, if you have players, if, if you have um, the, the likes of those guys that I just mentioned, who can either come off the bench or are starting and others can then come on, we don't concede those spaces to them because we know that we can physically do it. We can get Musquay on, on in the 10 and, and get after Grimes. So, there, you know, I don't think we should be too worried. You know, it's, four, it's, it's glass half full, half empty. It was four games unbeaten, four games without a win or five games without a win, sorry. Um, so I'm not too worried. I don't think we should be worried um, because there's, a, there's been a lot going on in a transitional period, as, as Stephen said. Not only are we transitioning, but transitioning with so many injuries, it's difficult. So, um, you know, let, let's not, I don't think we should be too gloomy about anything at the minute. I think that there's good stuff going on. So we're still quite we, far away uh, from Jones out then, it seems. It's no, like, no, Jones no, out no, no. I just want to go on, on the back of, of what Dylan was saying. I think, for me, no concerns whatsoever. For, for me, the overriding um, emotion by a long mile is just frustration because I can just see how good a side we are we are a very, very good side when we're at it, as the first half shows. I mean, we're sat here on 10 points, three of the playoffs, and that without a shadow of a doubt, if things went our way this season, we would, we would be in the playoffs. Clear as day, we, we are an extremely good side when we're at it, so no concerns whatsoever. For me, I'm just so frustrated what is happening to us at the minute, and the vast majority of it is, is not... Nathan's fault or not the players' fault. It's just football. And I think that that was why I was so miserable yesterday or Sunday because it's just like, it's just so frustrating. Like, yesterday, like today, we, we should be sat here talking about a brilliant 3 0, 3 1 win at home to who, who, Swansea, who are a good side the, the first half. I don't think they were necessarily bad. We were just that good. And that for me is I'm just so frustrated. Yeah, definitely. And we'll kick on, we'll move on from that because I can see Jamie's getting frustrated again and we don't want to <laughs> go for the emotions of yesterday. But we'll move on to the next test, which is Bournemouth away. Obviously a tough game. They're league leaders without a defeat still. So can we go there and do what we did last year? Yeah, because we're Luton Town. Like, it's funny enough, I was saying to my, I was saying to my granddad in the car, it's... It's just looting to lose against Swansea and beat Bournemouth. And to, to be honest, the fact that we now did, did what, what happened on Saturday, I think we'll go to beat them. I think it's just the looting way of doing it. it, just, it's, it, it like there, there is not a, a set of results that could be more looting than losing a 3-0 lead against Swansea and then going away to Bournemouth and winning 1-0. It's just, it's just the, the, way, the way we are as a club. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough because Bournemouth are very good. And don't forget, when we played them 
and we beat them they had 10 they were down to 10 which helped um but you know they've got they've got some very very good players brooks Jaden anthony in his first season has just been wow zamura again first season been excellent ben pearson i mean they've got a lot of top top championship slash premier league players so it's going to be tough but i feel like we are a team who if we can get some more fit hopefully uh, i don't know how long musquay's out for um obviously fred and alan campbell are out for a while um but i just feel like we we can beat anyone on our day and i think what we're seeing so far is we're quite uh, an erratic team we have big drop-offs but massive highs and we saw against bristol city fantastic performance didn't dominate but did did everything right and then created chances just didn't score swansea look at that that first half was absolutely excellent second half dropped off so you know i, I guess what we what we could say is we don't really know what luton will, will not not what luton will turn up but you know there's there's a bit of inconsistency in there, but that's okay because this, these guys are young. They're, we've got a lot of injuries. Um, and, and as long as the signs are there that we are a positive team, that, we can, that we're really trying to imprint our identity, then we can beat anyone on our day, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the only time this season that I can really think that I've been really disappointed with a performance, a whole game performance, is the Birmingham game. Other than that, we've at least had one half where we've played brilliantly and how we should be playing consistently but at the same time the style of play I think it's probably quite hard to play consistently so yeah I agree with like you know we are quite erratic and you know I mean Dylan sort of like retracted on on this but it is hard to know what what sort of Luton team is going to turn up because you might get the Luton team is going to lose 5-0 to Birmingham and then the Luton team that's going to play Swansea off the park and go three goals up within 25 minutes and then lose it again <laughs> you know it's it's we're just entertaining aren't we we're just an entertaining yeah. team and we love it definitely i think it will help that that we, that there's now no midweek game i think nathan will be so relieved that we've got a full week run up to bournemouth like okay. just, just just not not necessarily to get the, those injured back but just to give the lads a, a week off like yeah, we, yeah. we can we can benefit from saying like look lads just take two days off just, just, just put your feet up. I think that that would help, that would help massively. Could do with an international break, couldn't we? <laughs> no. <laughs> right. In, in terms of Bournemouth and what they pose, what what threats do you see Bournemouth having and and implementing on Saturday? I think the biggest threat is what t- what Luton team turns up. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point. Yeah, it is a good point. But they are also a team that are full of talent. Midfield wouldn't look out of place in the Premier League. Jaden Anthony and Zamora on the left-hand side, two very promising young players that have hit the ground running. David Brooks, Dominic Salat, I could reel off the whole team here. They are a very good side. But as as Luton fans, we, we don't go into games fearing anybody, and especially under Nathan Jones. Yeah, I think for me, I'm looking forward to the the, the Billing v Pelly matchup because I, I remember that last year being a very good sort of battle just to watch. Um, and I think Pelly came on top last year, so hopefully again this year he does. But like you say, all over the pitch, I think they're superb. Dom Solanke up up top is as good as you'll get in in in, in this league with regard, with regards to an all round number nine. 
Um, Anthony has come from nothing this season and is fantastic. They've got Christie from Celtic, but equally they, they can put David Brooks and Ivor and Eight all out wide. They just for, for me that, that they were a side that I pinpointed this year that I really think that they could sort of yeah, beat yeah. The, the other three big teams in this league. And and not many are, are fans of Scott Parker, but but I am. I think he I think he gets gets a team going. Um, so I think it would be wrong of us to pinpoint any one part of the pitch. I think they just all round. I think that their their biggest weakness is their keeper. So hopefully we can we can benefit from that at set pieces. And then they're obviously holding it all together is uh, Gary Cahill. So you know <laughs> yeah. what a they've got a very 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 talented squad, but. I feel like we we will we'll go after them and, and we'll try and we won't you know we won't we won't um we won't let them just knock it around. We'll try and get into them in exactly the same way we did as we did against Swansea. And as Jamie said, um the break of a of a week between the games just allows us to just freshen it up a bit and just hopefully get one or two back, but most importantly, um fresh, you know, give these guys some rest because it's been a tough run. Although talk just talking about Pelly. You know, we we're talking about how everyone was tired, and but and then you look at the well, you watch the game back, and in the 89th minute or in stoppage time, even um, we win the ball back outside our box, and Pelly's sprinting forward. Oh yeah, and trying yeah. to get. Yeah, I do remember that. And he's, he's done back three 90s in a row. So you know, if anyone's all right for energy, it's Pelly. And it just shows how much of a bloody legend he is. People moan about him, but honestly, he's, he's just you know, he shows his importance every week. Yeah, because well, for me it was it was Berry, it was Pelly, and it was Cornick. All all three players yeah. that we had in League Two that ran the first half, and you'd probably bring Adebayo in there, who obviously was a fourth tier player last time out. So yeah, it just shows what we can do with players and and how far we can we can progress these players. Really, we'll um, come straight into a score prediction now, and we'll come to you first, Jamie. I'm going to back what I just said about five minutes ago. It'd be so Luton to go there and win. So I'm going to say one to Luton. And you, Stephen? Uh, I'm going to go one nil Bournemouth. And then... We'll put in a good performance, but we'll just lose it. Yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I don't, I, I don't think we'll win. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, so I think it'll be, I think we'll lose 2-1 um, just because they have so much talent. But Again, we can turn up and win. Exactly that. I'll, um, I will give my prediction later when we speak to our Bournemouth fan. And joining me today for today's opposition view is Kirk Tovey of the Cherries Red Army, the AFC Bournemouth YouTube fan channel. Kirk, how are you doing? Doing very, very well. A really good weekend for us. And, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, it was a, a very good weekend for you. I, I can't quite say the same. After 45 minutes, I was close to that sort of vibe. But yeah, um, it all came crashing down in the end. In, in terms of the Cherries, top of the league, undefeated and some exciting talent coming through at the moment. Times are quite good. Yeah, it's been a very good turn after the international break because going into the international break, we did have a couple of draws, including the non-eventful trip to Hull. But since that transfer window's closed, Scott Park has been able to bring in some 
experience in Gary Cahill and then some quality with uh, Jamal Lowe and Ryan Christie. And we've really hit the ground running since the turn of that international break. We have three wins out of three, nine points out of nine in eight days. And we finished top of the league this week, last weekend, because um, results went our way as well. So it was a very, very good weekend for the Cherries. Because the early stages, it, it was becoming... A thing on Twitter, it was emerging as a two-horse race. Fulham and West Brom were being backed all the way. Bournemouth were plugging away and then certainly competing. But yeah, as you say, the turn of the international break, it seems that the momentum has switched and it's Bournemouth now who are looking like the team to beat. Yeah, I mean, the remit was when Scott Parker came in to go for playoffs again. We knew that players were going to leave and big players did leave, but we did have a very good transfer deadline day in the end. And we almost have now two players in each position. And although we can rotate it, Scott Parker's not really rotated it for the last three. He's kept that nucleus of the starting 11 with maybe just the odd change. And what we have now is a team that's building partnerships. You've got Lloyd Kelly and Gary Cahill. Those fullbacks are solid at the moment with Jordan Smore and Adam Smith. And then going forward, we do have a clinical edge. I think we have something like 21% conversion rate in front of goal. Possession-based football is probably what you'll expect to see on Saturday. Um, but if we can score a couple of goals, we do feel confident that we can get a result. And in terms of what you were just saying there, you mentioned two of your more youthful players in Jordan Samura and Jaden Anthony. Just how impressed have you been with the way they've broken through and how they are adapting to life in the Championship? They showed a little bit of promise last year in the under-23s, I think it was, and they really should have got an opportunity last year, especially when Jason Tyndall wasn't really performing as a manager. He should have thrown at least Samura in there, and Anthony got the odd game. But Scott Parker does promote youth within. He's given them the chance, and they built that partnership from playing together and in the academy, and they've taken it into the first team as well. Jordan Samora's got goals. Anthony's got goals. I think Anthony is the top assist maker for us at the moment. And we brought players in, like Leith Davis from Leeds, who we thought would take that left-back position. We've got Jamal Lowe, who could potentially play there. But at the moment, you just wouldn't budge them to with the way they're performing. I'm not saying they're going to stay there for 46 games because it is a first season for them. But whilst they're still playing and whilst they're enjoying their football, you just don't touch that left-hand side at the moment. And um, they're a threat every game. As you say there, it's the left-hand side that causes a lot of concern for us Luton fans. But we were just speaking over when we recorded the first part and we named pretty much every Bournemouth player that could start as a potential threat and, and someone that is likely or, or could really cause us problems. So where do you see Bournemouth creating opportunities and how do you see them unpicking Luton? Yeah, I mean, at the weekend away from home, we expected a two pivot with Pearson and Lerma going back to home, though, and like we did against Barnsley, I expect a one pivot and that will probably be Jeff Lerma, although Ben Pearson has a great shout to play again, a man of match performance at Cardiff. But I expect us to play more attacking players in this game to hopefully open the, the door, create chances early on and take an early lead. It's whether it's Billing, Christie and Brooks or whether Lerma gets the licence to play further up with Ben Pearson dropping in. So it's Ben Pearson, Lerma, Brooks or Christie. Whatever happens, we have got that attacking threat on both sides. Christie and Brooks can come in off the right, 
Jaden Anthony, as we spoke about, can come off the left. And Dom Solanke, he scored 15 goals last season. He's already on five. And I've challenged him to get 20 because I think if you get a goal scorer like that in your team, you have a very good chance of doing well in the championship. And you said before about the style of play. It's, it's quite possession-based under Scott Parker. And perhaps from a Luton perspective, we got quite a lot of success against Sheffield United and Swansea City, two other well-known teams who like to keep possession. We saw a lot of early success with our high press. Do you think that Luton can break down this sort of possession-based style and cause problems? Is that how you see Luton getting any chance of winning? Yeah, I mean, it's what you do with the ball when you turn it over, I suppose. I mean, what I would say is if you looked at those three wins that we've had for the first 10 minutes, especially in the first two against Barnsley and QPR, we were very poor. Um, and then we hit on the counter-attack. And the first attack we had in both of those games, we scored the first goal, which settled us down. But we do dominate on average this season, about 57.1% uh, football of conversion. Um, but we've got to make sure that we do hurt you because the longer the game goes on and if Luton potentially have a low block, it does become harder. Then the frustration's built in. If you get to halftime nil-nil, I'm sure you'd be happy with that. Um, but, you know, if we if we do get a goal, then I think we can go on and kill the game, maybe two or three nil. But, you know, this is the championship. We've spoke about it many times, you know. Any team can beat anyone. And look, Blackpool came back from two nil down against us to get two two. And I'm sure that your manager will probably looking at games like that, saying that there's hopes for, for the likes of Luton and other teams in this league. Yeah, exactly that. I think um, in, in terms of how Luton have started, it's they've been battered once by Birmingham, which was an absolute freak result. And the other defeat has come against West Brom in the narrow 3-2 defeat. So in terms of the game, I imagine I can see it being quite a slow burner. I can't see anything happening too quickly, but I think it might grind on. But on that note, I want to hear your score prediction. Well, remember, we didn't beat you last season. You took four points off of us and you beat us at the Vitality. So I, I am going to back the Cherries. We're top of the league and I think we will beat Luton on Saturday. We have a bit of a famous scoreline on our channel and that's 3-1 to the Cherries. And that's what I'm going for. Yeah, again, I can see us causing you problems. But at the same time, I think the task is a bit too bit too much at the moment and in, in terms of the amount of injuries we have and in terms of just the, the personnel available because of that yeah it, it's going to be a daunting task going to the Vitality Stadium but as you say we collected four points last year against Bournemouth so there is sort of reason to to maybe expect something but I think the game at the Vitality Stadium uh, a Jefferson Lerma red card sort of changed that game completely I'm going to go for a 2-1 Bournemouth. I think it'll be tightly contested, but I think it might be the Cherries who come out on top. That is all we have time for today. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech for today's music. Please check out our website and our socials. Our website is www.oakroadhatter.com. Our Instagram is oakroadhatterpod. And our Twitter is at oakroadhatter. Thank you to the three of you for joining me today and a big thank you to Kirk for also joining and also a big thank you to the listeners. It really does mean a lot for your continued support. Goodbye for now.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.